Okay, okay, okay. I said to myself, I was not going to do a video on this topic. I was like, nope, everyone else is talking about the virus. I'm not going to talk about the virus. I'm going to talk about the Trinity. I'm going to talk about other issues. This was not going to be what I talk about. So anyway, if you haven't been here, my name is Will, and this is The Church Split, and we do talk about divisive topics on this channel in a way to try to just explore the theologies and thought processes that people might have and try to do so in a unifying way that avoids mudslinging. But then the virus happened, and you know, when you think that there is something that Christians and churches will be able to get behind, you know, is, is getting behind one another in a difficult situation where churches are making odd, odd, uh, lots of very difficult decisions right now, and you know, you would think that the Christian church would have the maturity to be able to leave one another alone, just encourage one another, but alas. Not so. See, I wasn't going to do a video on, uh, on the coronavirus or anything like this. But then I saw this article. Take a good look at it. Stare at it. Notice this. May God help those feckless cowards who canceled church in order to honor Caesar. There's real no easy way to go about this. That article right there, I, I read it, and I actually read it, okay? I didn't just do the title thing, because the guy who posted it said to read the whole thing, and the entire thing was a mudslinging contest and a puffing up of the chest of how righteous they were, and then had like two decent paragraphs, maybe, in the entire thing, and I'm being gracious. So, like I said, I wasn't going to do this, but obviously... This article in particular is an extreme case. It's an extreme article, but it really does hone in on the issue that we're seeing today, which is what in the world do churches do during the coronavirus or similar, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, pandemics? What do churches do in situations outside of their control that could possibly endanger their congregation? Now, on last Sunday, I preached on uh, the... I preached on fear and perspective, and I talked about how, you know, there is a wisdom to fear as well. Like, you know, if you're, if you can let fear control you in a really negative sense, but also fear can be wise, right? Like, I look both ways before I cross in the street. I can have as much faith in God as possible, but if I walk across our main highway here, I can't get mad at God if I get, you know, turned into hamburger by a freight liner, okay? So, this really does hone in on the topic of of just what do churches do? And what I'm noticing is uh, as people are like fighting each other on this, I've seen two principles, uh, two biblical principles at war with each other that people are using as battering rams with one another, which is one, of course, not forsaking the church. Of course, that's going to be brought up. And that's what the guy, the article, I guess, was trying to say was not forsaking the church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is a verse that gets used often. And it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good work. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I want to point out to you that sometimes it doesn't say neglecting, sometimes it says forsaking, and things along that nature. So don't neglect meeting together. He's saying, hey, fellowship, and that's what the problem is when there's a lot of Christians that are in and out of church, or they just don't go to church, and they blame a lot of people for the reason why they don't go to church, or they say, I'm too busy and stuff. Now you are neglecting 
to meet together. And that is the whole point here is we need to meet together. We ought to fellowship with one another. And what is the Christian without the church? Because you're supposed to be a member of the body of Christ and you have ran off with a member of the body. It's like your finger just upped and like your pinky just left and just he's hanging out over there and he refuses to come back. And you're like, ah, it'd be really great if I could have a pinky. Anyway, crude, maybe, I don't know. It's, these are my quirky demonstrations. Deal with it. All right. But then, so we have the, the not neglecting the church side, but then we have the obeying of the authority side. And this is important too. And in Romans 13, it says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then why do you then, then do what is good? You will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. More for because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all who that what is owed to them taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed. Now, this is obviously talking about that every authority is from God. Remember, God is a God of order. He creates hierarchies. There's a hierarchy in the home. There's a hierarchy in the church. And yes, there is a hierarchy to government. And God gives government authority. And it says that his that their authority is equal to, you know, in a sense, not equal, but is of his authority because he has ordained that authority. But we also know that there is plenty of times in the Bible where people had to break the laws of the authorities in order to do the will of God. And this goes into the principle of it is better to obey God rather than man. So when it comes to when the laws are in conflict, when man's laws are in conflict with God's laws, we ought always to choose God's laws. Now, here is the problem. Most people understand the fact I'm to choose obey God rather than man. Most people go, I do not want to forsake the church. But then other people go, but the government has told us to withhold gatherings right now, maybe of 250 or more if you're going by CDC or your state might have its own. I live in Michigan, and as of today, our quarantine was extended uh, to May 31st. Uh, oh, no, not May 31st, May, April 30th or May 1st. Sorry, got that off. Ooh. So here's the issues. These are far too broad to just use back and forth. So the problem is that people are using forsaking the church kind of out of context and trying to apply it to quarantine. And then you have the other side, which is using the government to completely push out uh, services. And people are using that kind of out of context too to say, see, the government said this. And they're not taking in the fact that these two principles are kind of in flux with each other right now. And it's really a question of, how does the church themselves handle this? Now, I want to bring in a concept from Israel themselves. Now, remember the lepers. lepers. If you have it, if you want to read Leviticus 13, it'll kind of uh, buffer you up a little bit on the topic. But the lepers, when they were sick, 
they had they were kind of secluded to themselves and as they would walk around if they entered any area they had to, to shout and announce unclean you know unclean unclean i am diseased you touch me you get close to me your life is in danger so i am unclean and uh, of course they had to do this even if there are symptoms that could possibly be leprosy for and this was a way to protect their community and then of course you have people who you go well Jesus ministered to the lepers but this is one of those things where we have to be careful not to just apply whatever Jesus did flippantly and go oh well then I can do it because you know Jesus also resurrected doesn't mean you should go you know get yourself killed thinking you're going to be resurrected Jesus was the son of God in the flesh so yes he went to these people and he healed them because he himself couldn't get sick. So in a sense, you could say he, there is immunization going on there, and then he was able to minister to these people. So the question is, is what do we do to not expose one another? Well, in Leviticus uh, 13, it says that they were to be separated and then to shout unclean. So really, uh, the quarantine idea really biblically would almost be more of, uh, hey, if those people are sick or those who are most likely to be sick should be removed, uh, in a sense, you could say. But I don't think it's even that black and white, because again, it's a virus in a different sense. It's airborne and whatnot, so it still has its issues. So I think this is where an, a liberty issue has to come into play, because it is not so black and white. So here in Michigan, we get blizzards, we get snow, and it is it, some times if we look outside and it is awful. Last winter, I remember specifically, was the worst winter I had ever seen, and that was the winter of 2019. It was insanity here. It was, uh, I remember I was driving, I couldn't even see four feet in front of me multiple times, and we had to cancel church a few times because I was like, this is dangerous for people to be out. And then now someone goes, oh, that's forsaking the assembling. No, it's not. It, to to cancel a service is not the same as forsaking. Uh, this is a worship service. It's not me going, guys, we're no longer having church ever because snow has happened to touch the ground at some point in these last six months. That would be an, a more of a vein of extremes, right? Where it's like, okay, well, this guy is clearly more fearful than he is wise. So therefore, he is canceling services whenever he can. Um, and that, you know, that seems to be a little, little odd. Also, you have to remember, so each region is different. Geography can even affect this. Even in the county I live in, the county I live in has the highest coronavirus, uh, numbers than any part of our state. So people in this particular area are being especially cautious because they're trying to protect their people. And it's funny because I see a lot of Christians going, well, we ought to just do this anyway. And they are not willing to inconvenience themselves. I've even had people go like, well, I don't, I don't have Facebook. I'm never going to get, or I'm not on YouTube, or I don't have any way to access the internet and I don't want to. So therefore uh, we should have service because I want to have service. And it's like, well, that now you're just unwilling to comp, you're being unwilling to inconvenience yourself for the safety of others. And it's funny because we Christians say all the time that, you know, pregnant women, we, they, need, they need to understand that. I understand that this is a, a convenience issue, but it doesn't mean you get to have an abortion. You don't get to kill something or risk the life of something just because you're having a convenience issue. Therefore, if we apply that same principle, then why are we so afraid to inconvenience ourselves just for a little bit to move services a little bit? just for the sake of the safety of others. I'm willing to inconvenience myself to guarantee that people are safer than they were before, especially under certain scenarios and especially in our particular county. But each reason, I mean, each region is different and each church 
is different. So each church choosing to cancel services or, uh, or maybe just in-person services for the sake of safety of the congregation isn't the same as forsaking the assembling. Remember, forsaking the assembling or neglecting is someone going, mm, I'm going to go to a movie or sleep in today instead of going to church. That's neglecting. All right. That's negligent. That's not someone going, you know what? We are, there's a possibility of all of us getting very sick right now. We have some elders here in our church that are the most susceptible to this virus. And me choosing to not meet in person right now is out of their best interest to protect them uh, because I love and respect my elders. There's a bit of a different heart there. So I think if we're slinging mud at people doing that, I think we're doing so in the very wrong uh, intentions and the very wrong heart there. And I have no problem with you going, no, we continue to meet, uh, especially our area. It's not that big of a deal. There's not that much going on right now. We just stick with even maybe, well, maybe we just stick with, uh, we keep everyone at six feet apart. No one shakes hands. Uh, we have sanitizer everywhere. We follow a lot of things, whatever. I see a lot of churches doing different things during this time, but especially today with modern technology, I don't think there's any harm with someone moving their services for a short period of time online. So, Here's the thing. If you're canceling services and you really don't want to, and you're merely doing it out of afraid of getting in trouble with the government, then you're canceling services for the wrong reasons, right? Because Paul didn't stop preaching the gospel when it was against the governing authorities. No, he instead kept doing it, got stoned and crawled back to Jerusalem. So if you're doing it out of the motivation of, oh, I really don't want to get in trouble with the government right now then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And, you know, I'd almost say at that point, you might want to try to figure a way to meet uh, in some way that's, you know, because I, you shouldn't go against that conscience. But if you're canceling because you're thinking of your elders and you're thinking of maybe, because uh, I know my church has some uh, some older people with some severe health issues, that and they're very faithful people. If I had those doors open, they would be there. They would risk it all to be there. That's just their nature, and I think that's awesome, and I, I thank the Lord for people like that. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, out of their best interest, and I, I'm not going to endanger anyone. Also, I know there are some kids out there who have some very specific health issues. So again, each congregation is a little different. So I think you got to apply that differently. I don't think you can just, this whole broad brushing and demonizing one side over the other, like, oh, these people, they canceled church. Those feckless cowards are trying to, <laughs> they're trying to obey Caesar rather than God. No, don't, don't. Don't mischaracterize your brother. And then if you're over there like, those idiots, they don't listen to basic wisdom. Why are they still meeting? And you just start slinging mud in the dirt. No, now you're just insulting other brothers and sisters in Christ over an issue that is actually very difficult. And there's not, and we can only apply certain principles, right? We're not supposed to neglect the assembling, but we're supposed to obey the authorities. And at the same time, we see some purity laws in Leviticus and other areas that seems to indicate that it's okay to separate some people from a fellowship for a time while they're sick to protect others. So we see some of, so some of these biblical principles kind of influx with each other. And so this is why I say, you know, do so, to, but whatever you do, make sure you're doing wisely and make sure you are doing so in a way that is honoring to the Lord and not trying to divide and attack one another over something that is not worth attacking or dividing over. 
So, and that's why I said, like, personally, we, uh, we kept our, when, when the CDC guidelines first came, we just kind of did some social distancing and we still held services. And we actually had quite a few visitors show up because they were interested because they wanted to go to a church. But then as things got worse and we quarantined, we decided, you know what, if it's, it's starting to spread throughout Michigan now, we're going to cancel services for the sake of our elderly. And that was one of my things. And I, we had a board meeting, we talked about it, and we decided to finally go forward with it. So this brings me to my next question. Now, we followed the state guidelines once the state guidelines came. But then the other question that Christians are asking, okay, do we follow the federal government, like CDC guidelines, or do we follow our state government? And which one takes precedence over the other? And then on top of that, how long do we allow this to go forward? Like, you know, if we don't really see a curb in numbers and our, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we just kind of see it as almost like a governmental overreach or a power grab, then, you know, some Christians might be inclined to go, you know what, we're going to meet because this is just getting ridiculous. And in a lot of ways, you know, I get it. There's the other arguments of people go, look, there are sick, sickly diseases out there all the time. Uh, just going outside, no matter what, is risking something. So I don't see why we change there. And I understand that argument. And I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm not saying I'm right or I'm not saying that I, uh, you know, or vice versa. Like it, but the the straight up broad brushing and demonizing is getting kind of silly at this point. I'm seeing too much of it going on, and instead of listening to each other and trying to consider each other's viewpoints, instead we're we're attacking one another, pointing fingers, and condescending one another. And I don't think that's helpful. So. Here's the thing. I don't think it's a problem for you guys to, for us to simply be moving services. Remember, moving a service to online as opposed to in person, you're not canceling, you're not neglecting, you've simply moved and changed a methodology for a period of time. Now, granted, if this period of time was because was going to be, you know, for the rest of the available future, I think that would be a, a slightly different conversation to have. But choosing to meet when some recommend we shouldn't meet isn't rebellious either for someone to go you know what some people recommend because there are recommendations out there and depending where you live the recommendations might be other. just choosing to rec just choosing to meet when there's recommendations is not a spirit of rebellion okay so don't don't be mixing these things uh so my thing is is if you choose to, to have conversations about this or you want to talk to your pastor about this or have concern about this that's fine you but use decency and discretion and when moving forward understand that churches and pastors are in a very tough spot right now they are, we are very pro life and we're all we're all okay with inconveniencing ourselves for the sake of others but at the same time we want to honor god and meet together in fellowship with one another in person it is a very difficult decision that pastors are, are in right now. So I don't think it's okay to just sling mud and attack one another over this topic. Um, so let me ask you this. What about you? All right, let's, see, let's hear from you in the comments a little bit. We get more comments on Facebook than we do on YouTube. But guys, what about you? How's your church in particular handling this? How are they handling it? How do you think we should handle it? And what biblical principles would you pull from in order to uh, justify that position? And, but do you, and also, I love, a good question as well is, are you demonizing others who disagree with you? Because I think this is something that we need to stop seeing. Because remember, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 says this, take care, brothers. Notice how he's calling them family. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. So obviously he's talking about, you know, false teachings or whatever. But what does he say instead? But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. 
and that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. Indeed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Guys, I want you guys to just focus in on that. Exhort one another every day. We ought to be encouraging one another, lifting each other up, and loving one another. And attacking over very specific things like this is not helpful. Remember, each church is independent, and each each church is different, and each one has its own systems and its own structures and has its own type of people that this could impact differently. Uh, I know some pastors have a lot of people with health issues, so they had to cancel. I know other people, it's like, dude, we have a bunch of young people, and they were they were completely fine with meeting in person, but just at six feet distances and you know just kept their distance from one another. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. But I think we need to make sure that right now, we are uniting one another and showing the world that the church is united with one another and we're encouraging one another. Because here's the thing, right now we're seeing people be confronted with the reality of death and the reality of pain and suffering and struggle. And this is a great time for the church to use its influence, one, online where more people can see it. Two, to encourage the world to come to God so that way they see that, hey, there's this pain, there's a suffering, and hey, maybe there's a purpose behind it all. This is a great time for us to be asking people the great questions of life and death, meaning, and all these different things. So use this as a platform to springboard into the gospel rather than springboard into a mudslinging competition, okay? So in short and in summary, exhort, unite, and encourage. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So don't live fearfully right now. Don't live in horror and fear and be scared. I have a sermon on it on this channel, Fear and Perspective. Check it out. But we are told to fear not. So remember that his peace passes all understanding. Dwell in him. Seek to honor him during this time. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So just be prayerful. So anyway, I hope this video was helpful. I hope this can help bring maybe some unity during this time of difficulty. And guys, just have this time as a time to focus on God and recenter yourself. And I hope uh, peace be with you. God bless. And uh, this has been The Church Split. Thanks for coming.